Welcome to BFC Live, the daily video and podcast series of Business of Cannabis. BFC Live highlights the company's brands, people, and trends driving the global cannabis sector. Learn more at businessofcannabis.com. On this BOC Live, we will revisit a conversation from our event yesterday, which was a Business of Cannabis Retail Series event focused on the importance of accessories to cannabis retailers, as well as an inventory strategy to manage inventory and drive profit. This is Krista Raymer of Atrina Group and Blake Ferry, a data scientist from Headset. Blake and Krista. I'm excited about this. I am taking notes. <laughs> um, we are talking, uh, of course, about accessories as part of this thing, but we're also talking about inventory and inventory strategy. And I want to start there. And Blake, I want to go to you. Um, you uh, look, you're a data scientist, so you're looking at lots of data all the time and your headsets, or you're certainly thinking about what's happening in stores. How do you, how are you thinking about the inventory mix? Uh, that retailers should be thinking about and evaluating? Like, how do you think about it when you look at that sort of data? Uh, Yeah, so I I think there's really two uh, layers to looking at store assortment uh, in terms of inventory. So there's a really high level classification. So think about things like in categories. So you wanna know uh, how much of my inventory should really be focused on flour versus beverages versus accessories versus pre-rolls, all those different categories. Um, And that's a really high level thing that retailers really need to nail because that's the cornerstone of how they formulate the rest of their inventory strategy. Um, But I think the more complicated uh, part of inventory comes when you go one layer deeper than that, which is on a SKU level. Um, And so it's really important for retailers to A, have the right SKUs and B, uh, really lean into those SKUs. What we find is, you know, if you take Ontario, for example, um, in, uh, in Canada, about the median retailer has about 270 SKUs uh, in their inventory. And so that's quite a bit to manage. Um, and so that, that's meaning that theoretically every two weeks, we have an inventory manager that's really, you know, sifting through 270 SKUs, um, which is very time consuming. Uh, and I, I don't envy that necessarily. Um, so it, it really is a hard uh, thing to formulate a strategy on. That's where data uh, comes in and is such an important part of that. Yeah. And Chris, I want to ask you, because you talk to lots of retailers, obviously, in the work that you do, like, how do you think many retailers are thinking about it the way Blake just laid out uh, in terms of their overall inventory strategy as it relates to all the products, but but maybe even specifically to accessories? Um, no, I don't think so. I think one of the things that we notice with inventory is that it tends to start in one place and grow and iterate as the store has been open longer. And it's that um, miscalculations along the way where we start to like see large inventories build up. This is true for both cannabis as well as accessories. I think when we think about the, the number of SKUs that are on hand, Um, we're just building complexity into our business that our customers don't necessarily need or are asking for. So being able to drill in and identify exactly what are the products that are fulfilling our customer needs, and then what are the products also that are going to help us tell that brand story and the exploration piece. Decision paralysis keeps us uh, as consumers from making a decision when there's too many options. And Um, paralysis by analysis, I guess, when we do our inventory selection, keeps us from 
getting segmented and, and limiting the number of products that we put in front of our customers. From an accessories perspective, this number can start really tight. And then when we start to see growth in particular SKUs or in categories, then we can make a decision to reinvest. But starting up too broad um, with too many SKUs that all look the same is a really, really quick way for us to really um, inflate that number of SKUs on hand number uh, really, I guess, quickly. That's yeah. the same thing. But. And Blake, when you're thinking about it, you talked about like thinking about the SKUs you have and looking at them and, and, and analyzing them. Like, I want to actually dive in a little bit about that. Like when you think about that, like how would, when you're talking to retailers, like, is there a framework which you're looking at and say, you know what, here's how I would look at it. If I was a retailer like you, like more SKUs is not necessarily better. Let's, you know, let's hone in on what is selling, what is profitable. Like how, how do you, <laughs> In a best case scenario, how are they setting up that framework? So every two weeks, as you described, it's a little bit easier and the next two weeks are even easier. Sure. Yeah, I think that there's kind of two uh, ways to approach that. And the first is really kind of on a broad level. And this goes back to what Kristen was saying, which is true across any category in cannabis. You look at accessories or flower, whatever it happens to be. But it's the idea that a disproportionate amount of small amount of SKUs account for a disproportionate amount of revenue. So that's in, you know, for Ontario, for example, a median retailer, if you look at their store, about 39% of those SKUs account for 80% of the sales. So you have a really long tail of these products that, again, are not necessary to run your store and often are costing you money with tied up inventory in the back. Um, and so the way to sift through all this data is what I propose using is the ABC XYZ framework, which is a really a standard way to look at inventory and in traditional CPG or any, any business that holds physical inventory. Um, so what ABC XYZ is, is a way to, within every, within every category, to assign a grade to a SKU that gives you an objective way to say, okay, this SKU is outperforming this SKU, this SKU is on the tail end, I'm not going to order this in my next you know two-week cycle. Um, and so the idea is that with ABC, that's one dimension, so if you imagine kind of a two-dimensional grid there, uh, ABC would be accounting for the sales that SKUs generate. So if you, for, for example, are in the top 80% of SKUs, so you're driving, again, a, a good majority of SKUs, you would get an A grade. And subsequently, you'd be going down to B and C as you account for less and less sales, so the long tails down at C. And so, but we all know that products are not created equally. Uh, so if you think about um, things like ounces and eights in flour, uh, while ounces are certainly account for a lot of, you know, can generate good amounts of revenue, they are sold very infrequently. So not necessarily products that we just want to lean into. Um, and that might seem obvious, but it gets a little more blurry as we get into categories like edibles or things where the package sizing differences aren't very large or even accessories. Um, and so what we want to do is we want to add in that second dimension, which is the XYZ. And so XYZ actually kind of helps us measure product velocity. So is this is this being uh, this product being purchased frequently? If so, uh, we would give that an X, a Y for kind of an average uh, product velocity, and Z for something that's pretty slow moving. And the idea is that once you have this framework together, you are then then able to every two weeks look at all your SKUs and say, okay, well, objectively, I can I can tell that these bottom twenty SKUs and accessories or flower, whatever the category is, are they're not worth me uh, keeping in stock. So I'm not going to order these again. And again, to Chris's point, it really allows retailers to lean into 
what consumers want and what is going to drive revenue in their store. I love it. I'm Krista. I really do. And it's like, it's bringing the data science into cannabis retail, which I love. Um, and, and Krista, I actually want to ask you because your purview certainly is a lot, a lot broader than mine and much deeper than mine as it relates to anything related to retail. But is this how longer term retail folks who have been in business more than six months or a year are thinking about all the SKUs that they evaluate all the time in an ongoing way? Like, are we just applying this to cannabis? This exists other places, yes? Yeah, this exists other places and there are other filters that we can add in as well to even understand where a SKU might be introduced when and why. And, um, but I being able to identify and understand the performance from a revenue as well as from a velocity perspective are so important. So when we think about accessories, you might gain um, a pretty good amount of revenue from selling a bomb, for example. Um, but the velocity of a rolling paper will far exceed what you will sell in terms of bongs. So you might actually end up seeing over a period of time, more revenue come from the velocity of selling rolling papers. And so it's, it's those kinds of um, cross analysis that become really helpful in understanding like what exactly are our best performing SKUs because sometimes that is up for question. Um, and then understanding where that reinvestment needs to go when we are building out the inventory or if other options need to even be entered um, and presented to the customer. Well, I think, and we've been talking about velocity and SKUs, which is of course important, important to analyze in an ongoing way so you actually know the mix in your store. But Chris, I want to go to you because it also, the overlay on top of that is what is the consumer experience related to that, right? Like, does it make a deeper connection that the bud tender can make to the person buying because it is really well aligned with the brand, right? There's stores we've been into that, you know, they might sell bongs, but it's not sort of core to what they do, where certainly rolling papers would be. Plus it allows a deeper interaction if it's a rolling paper that it's an at cash sort of, you know, I mean, like you want fries with that type of moment as opposed to something that lives on a shelf behind glass. Like talk a little bit about that because that also makes the decision super important uh, and kind of data driven, but also like more sort of brand related. Yeah, we have to take a step back and understand and look at what is the purpose of all of the things in our store. Right. So the store should be a tool um, to get products sold, ultimately. And where the product shows up is going to inform um, what parts of the tools are being used when. Now, from a, an accessories perspective, um, I think it, it offers an opportunity along the customer journey to contextualize product faster for the customer. So whatever we can do from a merchandising perspective, to put the pieces in place so the customer understands the product will support it getting sold. Now, what product goes where is directly linked to when the customer is making a decision while they're physically exploring the environment. So where you might want to present some accessories, i.e. bongs, vaporizers, more expensive product, it's going to be when the customer is still open to making decisions. When we get closer to the cash, we know that customers are, are more and more closed-minded in terms of what they're open to purchasing. We know this based off of traditional retail, and we've seen the same patterns happen in cannabis. 
Um, grocery stores are a very good example of this. And when we get into a cannabis store, we think about more of the impulse product that as you get closer to the cash, it's an easier uh, decision to wrap your head around as a customer. It's the lighter, it's the rolling papers, um, it's cones. Um, it's those moments that allow us to leverage the final decision-making process. That is not to say from a customer journey perspective or from an accessory perspective necessarily that having lighters is more valuable than having a bong. But what you have to understand is what role they play in your customer's understanding of your um, retail environment and really overall your brand. Yeah. And, and I, I, it's so, I'm like, I really am taking notes and super excited. And I realize when you say it, um, I, I literally reach on my desk and I have things exactly what you're talking about that were in my customer journey that actually deepen the connection of the brand uh, will probably be pretty good for business and a high velocity skew, even though it's not the high dollar thing that I bought because I didn't buy that, but like, you know, it does deepen that connection. And I guess, um, Blake, to you, because I, I can imagine that uh, with the data that you analyze all the time as a data scientist, you see that there are things within people's stores and the inventory that are not checking the right boxes in the ABC, XYZ uh, grid that you talked about. And that there really is, um, I don't wanna use the term because it sounds like there's waste. Like people are wasting floor space, wasting uh, time, energy and resources on products that have will never be in the right spot on that grid. And I guess, it, I guess from a data science perspective, does that frustrate you, but also provide hope that there is, as these retailers become more efficient, effective, profitable, knowledgeable, that people can start to do away with the waste part, but also move in the right part of your grid? Uh, yeah, well, I, I think the biggest challenge is filling the void of technology and data that it kind of exists right now in cannabis. Um, and I think that once that becomes more commonplace in retail, I, I, I certainly think those kind of efficiencies that we're talking about are going to get solved and uh, proven out a little bit. Um, but yeah, it, it's really interesting to just think about it uh, from like kind of a monetary perspective in that if you take, again, Ontario as an example, 6% of SKUs are sitting in a median store that just aren't going to get sold. And that's just distinct SKUs. That's not even counting all the different units that you've stacked within each of those SKUs. Um, and so not only are you tying up the, you know, the money that you spent to acquire that inventory, but you're also, those are not SKUs that are gonna move. So you're also kind of sacrificing the margin that you're gonna, you would theoretically make by selling those. Um, and so that can range again by retailer, it really kind of depends, but you're talking about a problem that could be anywhere from a thousand dollars to tens of thousands of dollars of just tied up inventory in the back. So. Um, you know, I, I really do think that that kind of awareness and being able to use those frameworks is really going to help retailers, um, again, optimize their inventory, but also, um, you know, become really economically efficient with what they're carrying. Yeah, we need more of that. And Chris, I want to sort of end with you because we just heard in the previous segment, we talked to Ben Tran, the House of, uh, the house of Cannabis, and notwithstanding the fact or including the fact that he had a a cool bong in the actual uh, shot, but but I want to ask you because um, we often talk to folks who are in the the get up and go sort of component, like they're starting up. Like, what is your advice to folks that don't have the the sort of historical view of what's sold or not sold over the past three and six months, but they're getting going from day one? Like, is it a 
start small and expand versus like throw spaghetti at the wall and like see what buy like how would you think about as a startup thinking about what to put in store yeah i think blake just kind of laid it out for us is once the money has been invested and if you do take a spaghetti at the wall approach it's harder to get back um, we've got to figure out a way to get that product sold. And so depending on how long it's been in the store, you're now needing a strategy around promotions and potentially discounts. Whereas if we start small and reinvest in where the um, revenue is coming in, then we have an opportunity to iterate accordingly. And so like start small, especially with accessories, there's an opportunity to be very specific with what products we're carrying and then deepen um, that assortment based off of ones we get to know our customer. But we don't need to be carrying um, 10 different products that all service the same thing. Um, and, and that's really one of the areas where I think that the focus can come from is saying, what is the product? What problem does it solve? what is the price point? And then the last filter being, do I already have something that does fulfill this? Mm -hmm. If I do, then probably we want to pick one um, instead of going with all. Yeah. Um, Blake and Krista, I really want to thank you because I, I'm not ready to start a store, but if I am, I'm coming back to both of you because I feel like, A, you could save me a lot of, lot of angst down the road, but also I just think it's a, it's a really thoughtful approach, which is what we're trying to do here through this cannabis retail series because there's so much to learn this is, this is the sort of store part, but the regulatory part, we've talked about how to actually set up the infrastructure. All these things are so challenging, especially if you've never done them. So thank you very much for your time today and ongoing partnerships, both with Retreat Group and Headsex. I think we're really providing value to the sector. So Blake and Krista, thank you very much. Thanks, Jay. Yeah, thanks for the time. That was Blake Ferry from Headset and Krista Raymer from Vitrina Group, recorded as part of our cannabis retail series on May 5th. If you like this program, please rate and review it. Thank you for joining us on B of C Live today. We're able to do what we do thanks to our ongoing partners, including Cannabis at Work, Cannabis Benchmarks, Can Delta, Headset, Gallagher, and Torque and Mains.